finally back for another full-length episode with some audio quality that doesn't sound terrible. Uh, episode 18, we're calling this one first, Break All the Rules, and we're going to be talking about a questioning attitude uh, and discuss why people need to have that and how it can help you be successful. Um, but first, like always, I'm going to hit you with a history segment that is directly related to the topic, uh, somebody that championed a questioning attitude and why uh, falling into the rut of this is how we always do it is such a bad thing. So we're going to be talking about uh, 85-year-old Rear Admiral Grace Murray Hopper, who dedicated her life to the Navy. Uh, she passed away on 1 January 1992. Uh, she was a pioneer computer programmer and co-inventor of COBOL, which is the Common Business Oriented Language, a computer programming language. She was known as the Grand Lady of Software, Amazing Grace, and Grandma Kobol. Uh, she'll be remembered for her now famous sayings, one of which is, it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is to get permission. Uh, it's only fitting that Grace Brewster Murray was born between two such memorable events as the Wright Brothers' first successful power-driven flight in 1903 and Henry Ford's introduction to the Model T in 1908. Taught by her father at an early age to go after what she wanted, Grace's life consisted of one success after another, including the significant contributions she made to the computer age and to the Navy. Young Grace's diligence and hard work paid off when in 1928, at the age of 22, she was graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Vassar College. She then attended Yale University, where she received an MA degree in mathematics and physics in 1930 and a PhD in mathematics in 1934. Hopper began teaching mathematics at Vassar in 1931, where her first year's salary, year's salary, was $800. She stayed there until she joined the United States Naval Reserve in December 1943. Upon graduation, she was commissioned as a lieutenant junior grade and ordered to the Bureau of Ordnance Computation Project at Harvard University. There she became the first programmer on the Navy's Mark I computer, the mechanical miracle of its day. Hopper's love of gadgets caused her to immediately fall for the biggest gadget she'd ever seen, the 51-foot-long, 8-foot-high, 8-foot-wide, glass-encased mound of bulky relays, switches, and vacuum tubes called the Mark I. This miracle of modern science could store 72 words and perform three editions every second. Hopper's love affair with the Mark I ended in a few short years when the Univac I Universal Automatic Computer operating a thousand times faster, won her affections. In 1946, Hopper was released from active duty and joined the Harvard faculty at the computation laboratory where her work continued on the Mark II and Mark III computers for the Navy. In 1949, she joined the Eckert Mauchly Computer Corporation in Philadelphia, later called Sperry Rand, where she designed the first commercial large-scale electronic computer called the Univac One. She changed lives of the lives of everyone in the computer industry by developing the bomb, the Bomark system, later called COBOL, uh, which we defined earlier. Uh, COBOL made it possible for computers to respond to words rather than numbers. Hopper often jokingly explained, it really came about because I couldn't balance my checkbook. She's also credited with coining the term bug when she traced an error in the Mark II to a moth trapped in a relay. The bug was carefully removed and taped to a daily logbook. Since then, whenever a computer has a problem, it's been referred to as a bug. Hopper retired from the Naval Reserve with the rank of commander at the end of 1966. She was recalled to active duty in August of 1967 for what was supposed to be a six-month assignment at the request of Norman Ream, then Special Assistant to the Secretary of the Navy for Automatic Data Processing. 
After six months were up, her orders were changed to say her services would be needed indefinitely. She was promoted to captain in 1973 by Admiral Elmo Zumwalt, uh, then the chief of naval operations. And in 1977, she was appointed as special advisor to Commander Naval Data Automation Command, NAVDAC, where she stayed until she retired. In 1983, a bill was introduced by Representative Philip Crane, Democrat from Illinois, who said, It is time the Navy recognized the outstanding contributions made by this officer, recalled from retirement over a decade and a half ago, and promote her to the rank of Commodore. Uh, Representative Crane became interested in Hopper after seeing her March 1983 60 Minutes interview. He never met Hopper, but after speaking with several people, uh, was convinced she was due the added status of being a flag officer. The bill was approved by the House, and at the age of 76, she was promoted to Commodore by a special, pre special presidential appointment. Her rank was elevated to Rear Admiral in November 1985, making her one of the few women admirals in history of the United States Navy. On 27 September 1985... The Navy Regional Data Automation Center, now the Naval Computer and Telecommunications Station in San Diego, broke ground on a 135,577 square foot data processing facility, the Grace Murray Hopper Service Center. The building contains a data processing center as well as training facilities, teleconferencing capabilities, telecommunications, and expanded customer service areas. A small room-sized museum contains numerous artifacts, awards, and citations that Hopper received during her lengthy career. The guest visitor's book contains the names of some prominent people paying homage to the uh, computer pioneer. There is also the Grace Murray Hopper Center for Computer Learning at Brewster Academy in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, where she spent her childhood summers. 1986, 80-year-old Grace Hopper retired involuntarily from the Navy. The ceremony held in Boston on the USS Constitution, fulfilling Hopper's final request before ending her naval career. 300 of her friends and admirers and 30 family members were there to watch as the end came to her 43-year naval career. As then-Secretary of the Navy John Lehman said in his speech, I'm reminded of that famous story by P.T. Barnum. About the turn of the century, his principal attraction, the human cannonball, came to P.T. Barnum and said, Mr. Barnum, I just can't take it any longer. Two performances a day and four on weekends are just too much. I'm quitting. Barnum said, you can't possibly quit. Where will I find someone else of your caliber? They realized Hopper was irreplaceable. In her retirement speech, instead of dwelling on the past, she talked about moving toward the future, stressing the importance of leadership. Our young people are the future. We must provide for them. We must give them positive leadership they're looking for. You manage things. You lead people. It was at her retirement in 1986 that she was presented with the highest award given by the Department of Defense, the Defense Distinguished Service Medal, one of the innumerable awards she received from both the Navy and the industry. Other awards include the Navy Meritorious Service Medal, Legion of Merit, and the National Medal of Technology, awarded last September by President George Bush. Uh, this, I'm reading an article that's pretty old. Uh, she also received first Computer Sciences Man of the Year Award from the Data Processing Management Association, DPMA, in 1969. Other achievements include retiring from the Navy as a rear admiral and the oldest living service serving officer at the time, and being the first woman to be awarded a PhD in mathematics from Yale University. In her opinion, the most damaging phrase in the language is, we've always done it this way. Grace said in many of her speeches, I always promise during my talks that if anyone in the audience says during the next 12 months, but we've always done it this way, I will immediately materialize beside him and haunt him for the next 24 hours and see if I could get him to take a second look. Embracing the unconventional, the clock in her office ran counterclockwise. 
Her favorite age group to address was young people between the ages of 17 and 20. She believed they knew more, they questioned more, and they learned more than people in what she called the in-between years, ages 40 to 45. She always placed very high importance on America's youth. Hopper often said, working with the youth is the most important job I've done. It's also the most rewarding. This seems perfectly natural since she spent all of her adult life teaching others. One dream Hopper didn't fulfill was living to the age of 94. She wanted to be here December 31st, 1999 for the New Year's Eve to end all New Year's Eve parties. Uh, she also wanted to be able to look back at the early days of the computer and say to all the doubters, see, we told you that the computer could do all that. Her insight into the future will stay with us even though she's gone. Rear Admiral Grace Marie Hopper was laid to rest with full military honors in Arlington National Cemetery. So sorry for the delay and us coming back. Uh, it's been just madness lately. I'm in the middle of the chief season, so I'm training chiefs. We got one chief select on our learning site, and then we're working with a, a larger um, a larger chief's mess to train about 10 others. So uh, it's been kind of crazy lately, and there's been a lot going on at work, and we're spread pretty thin. So I apologize for the delay in full-length episodes, and I swear I will figure out this microphone for the Spin the Yarn segment so that this, the audio quality uh, is much improved. I'm still working on ironing that out so that I can do that on the drive home and get you guys some more content. Uh, it looks like you guys are listening to it, which is awesome, but I just I really would like to get the audio quality better, and I'm sure I can. I just got to solve the riddle that is this microphone that plugs into the bottom of my phone. Uh, so what we're talking about today is uh, a questioning attitude. So the, the, the name of this, the episode is First Break All the Rules, and I'm going to get into what all that means. But as Admiral Hopper said, the most damaging phrase in the language, in the English language, is we've always done it that way. Sitting still is death. Like You, you have to question everything. And junior sailors need to have a questioning attitude in all that they do uh, in order to enrich their own careers by being the solution to the problems they encounter. So questioning attitude is both vital and rare. Uh, we spend the, the first eight weeks we're in the Navy having it beaten out of us uh, and being told that the, this is the Navy way. Like, this is the way you need to do it to succeed in the Navy. And you will do it this way or else, right? Uh, so to question that, especially at the junior most levels, is counterintuitive. Um, but it's critical to improving the Navy by, a co by collective improvement of small processes by the majority, which are you, the junior sailors and the junior level leaders. And I know, like, you've probably seen lately the Navy Times, it's got the, the Millennials article out that says they're being disruptive and they're asking why and all those other things. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's going to be a good thing so long as you, the millennials and the junior level leaders and the, and the people that I'm speaking to, learn how to do that effectively and how to harness that. Because uh, while we are in the midst of the millennials kind of uh, displacing a lot of the, the old salts in the Navy, there are still a lot of us and we are still in these leadership positions. So you need to understand that uh, while all of that questioning attitude is very, very valuable, you need to learn how to harness it and use it effectively to maximum effect. Okay. Uh, real quick, if you do have any questions about anything at all, uh, hit us up at uh, don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, message us on Facebook or you can hit us up on Instagram uh, and direct message us any kind of question you have about anything, uh, willing to discuss, debate, uh, whatever the case may be. So hit us up if you have any questions at all or you would like to hear us address something on the podcast. So I'm going to start with main point number one, which is what is a questioning attitude? Like, what am I even talking about? Why am I bringing this up? So it starts by questioning everything. Uh, and I don't mean that literally. I don't mean challenge your leadership at every, every turn. Every time you encounter a new process, procedure, event, challenge, whatever, 
ask why we do it that way. Uh, and, and this is how you're going to learn about that process. It's your starting point. Like you're going to learn that Navy way uh, as you encounter all these new things uh, in your adventure in the Navy as it, as it kind of is unfolding in front of you. Like find out why that is the Navy way. Uh, you'll be surprised what you learn. There are a lot of processes that exist for a reason. And we've kind of hit on this before. Uh, and, and why... They, they can seem inefficient and have an extremely compelling reason for happening exactly that way. So you might, from the outside looking in, think that the efficient the process is inefficient and ridiculous. However, once you question it, you're going to learn things that you didn't know before. It's going to reveal to you why it exists in its current iteration. And there's probably going to be a very compelling reason for, for why it is the way it is. And it'll make sense. So that's how you learn. That's how you understand the processes and get more informed. However, there are many times that you're going to be told we've always done it that way. So into the next point I want to talk about is that's how we've always done it, being that most damaging phrase. This statement is a red flag. As you're learning and asking questions and figuring out how all these processes work, when you hear just that's how we've always done it and that's the answer and there's nothing else, that's a huge red flag. Uh, it, it's not to say that the process may not be sound and that this person's just uninformed and they don't know how to explain it to you. However, uh, this is the identification marker for process improvement or the complete absence of a sound process at all. Like this is where improvement happens. This is a marker for you to start asking questions like why do we do it this way? Why do we not do it another way? Uh, and suggest changes and ideas. Uh, and if you're in the position to do so, just create a process or improve the existing process yourself. You may be uh, in a junior level leadership position where the process we're talking about may be in your realm of, of influence, right? And then it's your process to improve. Many times your perspective will be wildly different than an old salts like mine and can provide for outstanding innovations. I can tell you there's been innumerable times where an E3 or below who uh, much younger than me as a chief on my last submarine challenges me and challenges my process. And I, I have that moment where I'm just like, wow, like would have never thought of that. That's a really great idea. And then we do it that way. And so not only do I now have a more efficient process, but you have ownership of that in that process. You have buy-in and you feel like it, 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 part of it belongs to you. So you're going to be more invested on making sure that it's successful, which is great for both of us. It's great for you because you get to do it the way that you think is most efficient and you're invested in it. It's great for me because now my process is more efficient and the mission, mission is getting done even more efficiently than, than before. So that all sounds exciting and you're full of optimism and you're all ready to go now, right? There are going to be times where somebody tells you to shut up and color, okay? It will happen. You will come up with this sound, well thought out and articulated idea and someone will not be open to it. They're going to smack it down and tell you to shut up and color. Do not get discouraged, okay? Question more. Did you present it to the right person? Can you take it up the chain of command to the next level? Uh, is that appropriate? Can you propose it to Big Navy? Uh, and we're going to talk about that in, in a minute. Can you repackage it? Sometimes uh, you have to evaluate the person receiving the information and kind of carefully consider your approach. Like you, you may have done it wrong, and that's why it didn't get through. Like I, I've dealt with leaders uh, where the only way I could get an idea across was to ask like leading questions until I had kind of talked them into the fact that it was their idea, that they came up with it based on the answers they gave to those leading questions. Everyone's gonna receive your input differently. Lazy leaders are protective of their power and they will only accept change if it's their change, if it's their bright idea, right? So fine, 
make it their idea. Like, who cares who idea it is? I mean, positive change is positive change. Who cares who gets the credit, right? If you can make an organization better with your positive change and the way that you have to do that is to make it some lazy leader's idea, do it. Who cares? At the end of the day, the process gets better, quality of life gets better, you're taking care of your sailors as a junior level leader, it's a win. Take that, okay? Don't leave that stuff like that on a table based on pride. So now I've told you all these great, amazing things on how you're gonna how you're gonna affect positive change and and with your questioning attitude. So like, how do we do it? Okay. And so I go back to the title of the podcast uh, at the beginning, and it's first break all the rules. Uh, and I don't I, mean, I don't mean that literally. So there's a little disclaimer. This is a mental exercise that you do. Uh, do not go literally break all the rules. You will be punished. All right. So just God, please don't say that D guts told me to break all the rules. I, I didn't stop it. So it's a mental exercise. So first, take a look at the existing process, policy, rule, whatever. Break it in your mind. Just break it. What happens? What what's the what are the impacts? What are the consequences? Uh, contradict things, question, turn them upside down in your head and see what happens. Like turn it upside down, shake it and see what falls out. There may be a catastrophic result or it may be nothing. Uh, why are we here until 1730 every day? What happens if we go home at 1600 or like, oh my God, what happens if we go home at 1530? Morale goes up, product, productivity stays the same or goes up. Sounds like a win to me. So first break all the rules to see if they were needed there in the first place. Like the army that I work with, they stay at work like tell almost 1800 every day and they're sitting around staring at each other and I, I, I can't find a discernible reason why they're there. I, I mean, I could be missing something, but I'm pretty sure it's, that's how we've always done it or somebody said they had to be there so they have to be there and no one knows why and looks like morale's low and it doesn't make sense. So question those things. Uh, and if you have... You, if you have control at the level that you're a junior level leader at, affect change. So that brings me to the next point. Affect your change. Affect your change at your level, okay? Even if you just supervise yourself and your contributions to the mission affect your change. So like what can you do differently in opposition to the norm or the way we've always done it to be better, uh, more efficient and more productive? An aviation senior chief I went to the Senior Enlisted Academy with told me the story about how oftentimes before he could log into his computer to look up technical specs uh, in some manual about the maintenance or, or PMS they were doing or whatever, a junior sailor had already pulled it up on their smartphone and had it ready to go and was ready to already had the answer. That's what I'm talking about. Find, like be creative. Think outside the box. Solve problems with what you find there. Like what what's accessible to you. I may not even understand how you accomplished it. But if you didn't leave a trail of destruction in your wake and the end product meets mission requirements, good job. And next event, like we're on to the next one. Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Sometimes you're going to need approval for that kind of stuff. Sometimes you're going to need to run it by me first. But do that. I mean, if you have access to some, I mean, there's things that you guys can do on your smartphones that like blow my mind and I don't even understand. So if you have solutions, bring them up. Uh, if they work, there's a lot of times leaders are going to be open to them. And then the next one is affect organizational change. You can do this from a junior level. The Navy is hungry for your ideas, creativity, and innovation. Uh, they're constantly soliciting it through surveys, all hands calls, social media campaigns, essay contests, and it goes on. Uh, they're still catching up with how today's young people communicate. But if you're serious about wanting to affect change, if this is something you really want to do instead of just sitting around complaining with your friends, seek it out right? Seek it out. And so there's a couple of things that I want to touch on, on how you can do this that, I, that I'm aware of, and I'm still doing research, right? So the Department of the Navy has a Department of the Navy 
innovation office, right? Uh, and, I'll, and I'll post the web address, but you can Google it, Department of the Navy Innovation, right? And this page will pop up. And then the, within that page, they have a, a access to an open forum for innovative ideas and solutions, and they call it The Hatch. Uh, you'll have to log in with your cat card and you'll have to like register an account. But once you get in, it's literally like an open forum message board where sailors can get on there and post ideas and solutions based on their own creative ideas or innovation on how the Navy can fix things. And it's like, this is direct access to this department of Navy innovation office, um, where your ideas will, will be viewed and, and could be picked up by big Navy. So that's one way. There's another page called tech solutions. Just Google it. The, it's the Office of Navy Research, and they have that page um, for technical solutions, and it's kind of a similar concept. And then the Department of the Navy even has innovation awards, same web page where you can submit somebody uh, for this award based on their innovation and how it affected the Navy or how it could affect the Navy, uh, and that can give visibility to your ideas as well. The last point I want to talk about is peer-to-peer -peer enforcement, and uh, this might be something that seems a little out of place, but stay with me. I think it, I think it'll kind of click. Uh, so peer-to-peer -peer enforcement at all levels uh, is a theory championed on my last submarine, and at first I kind I kind of bristled at it, uh, but then I I questioned like why did I feel that way, and I, and I couldn't answer that question because peer-to-peer -peer enforcement is outstanding. It's it works very very well, uh, and the theory being that anyone can correct anyone at any time on anything, right? And you just you know probably kind of bristled a little, didn't you? Right? Like think about it for a second. Anyone can correct anyone at any time for anything and obviously when a junior corrects a senior you do it respectfully and with tact but you do it uh and if this culture is pushed by the triad by the command triad the people at the top right then no one's going to feel disrespected or or you know that the junior personnel have no right to correct the senior personnel or for us as, as bubbleheads, like a, a non-qual has no right to correct a submarine qualified sailor or an officer has no right to skip 10 levels of the chain of command and correct an E1. Well, yes, we do. Uh, it makes everyone better. It makes the team stronger. So when you authorize a questioning attitude, the stupid misplaced hurt feelings vanish and you're left with a command culture of procedural compliance and high standards and everyone's happy about it. Like that, which seems counterintuitive, but like let that marinate for a second. So like if your command doesn't do this, do it at your team level. You have the ability to, to create peer-to-peer -peer enforcement at your team level. Uh, give explicit permission to your team to question you, to correct you, to suggest process improvements, to correct each other, and then watch what happens. You'll see a tight-knit, high-functioning team happy when people question their methods and then show them a better way. And think about what happens if you're wrong when you, when you challenge somebody with peer-to-peer -peer enforcement. Your question gets answered and you know you now understand why they're doing what they're doing. Like it's a win-win. You get a stronger team and better results. Uh, so peer-to-peer -peer enforcement, I really strongly recommend you give that a shot. It's the beginnings and the foundation of a really strong command culture. Uh, so it's conclusion time. So we talked about what a questioning attitude is and why we need it and why it's effective. Uh, and then how you implement a questioning attitude uh, by first breaking all the rules to affect change at every level, right? At, at your level, at an organizational level, at a team level. Uh, and then we talked about peer-to-peer -peer enforcement of standards and how using peer-to-peer -peer enforcement will create an outstanding command culture or team culture at whatever level you enforce peer-to-peer -peer enforcement and you kind of authorize the team to do that. It's gonna, you're going to see improvement uh, and everyone's going to be happy about it, which is kind of crazy. 
so junior sailors need to have a questioning attitude in everything that they do in order to enrich their own careers by being the solution to problems that they encounter instead of just complaining about those problems. Uh, questioning attitude breeds success. So like everywhere you apply it, it's going to breed success. It helps when you understand existing rules and processes better it, by being informed. We always talk about it, it helps when you become well-informed and, and by having that questioning attitude, you're going to become better informed by learning about the processes. And it's also a catalyst for positive change and productive change where it's needed. Like holes in the organization cannot hide from a questioning attitude. And it helps when you enforce and uphold existing standards across an organization, thereby more making that organization stronger. And morale will improve as a result when you have this questioning attitude and you authorize peer-to-peer -peer enforcement. Like think about how ridiculous that concept sounds. Like morale's gonna improve when you start enforcing standards, right? Uh, and, I, and I've seen it in real life on board an active US Navy warship or I wouldn't believe it was true. Like this isn't, you know, the, the little line about like beatings continue for standard enforcement, like beatings continue until morale improves, right? This is creating a culture of ownership by the very people you want to meet and heed those standards by allowing all hands to help enforce them. And they do it with a smile because they have ownership in it. Like, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm, well, I'm a little crazy, but like, I'm crazy about helping you develop and helping you improve. So try this out. Like, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised by the results at whatever level that you do this. So give it a try, have that questioning attitude, and first break all the rules so that when you when you run through that mental exercise, it's going to help you identify the, this is how we always do it, red flags, and then you're gonna be able to make the organization better by bettering whatever process that your realm of influence happens to be, whether it's you, whether it's your small team, or whether it's at a, at a higher organizational level. Uh, you're gonna be able to make big process improvements by having a questioning attitude, and you're gonna help push mission success in the right direction. Uh, so with that, uh, if you guys need anything at all, hit us up. Uh, you can direct message us on Instagram. You can hit us up on the Facebook page, Facebook messages, or you can shoot us an email at don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, suggestions, whatever you got for us, hit us up uh, with whatever. And uh, that's all I got for this week. I'm sorry there was such a delay in getting back at a full-length episode. Uh, I'm going to try to try to keep pumping out the uh, Spin the Yarn segments as time allows. And hopefully I can get this stupid microphone to cooperate with me. And then, of course, uh, I'll, I'll keep trying to get out some full-length episodes as well when time permits. But with the chief season going on, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be. Uh, but there will be content. Uh, and it will get have better audio quality. Um, but with that, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Keep charging out there. And don't give up the show.